3, 2, 1. Movements. This is the Don't Be a Dickhead podcast. I'm John Gilbert. I'm Ian Thompson. And I'm Alex King. And we're going to be talking about the topic of sport. Sporty mm. sport. It's a big, broad topic at the moment. A lot of it people is. are missing the sport at the moment because we're during the COVID-19 lockdown. People, so I think it's a great opportunity for us to iron out a few I'm wrinkles not. in our behaviour. I'm not missing the football. Quite Do you say the football it. or the football? The football. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, there must be a lot of pent-up anger out there. I've got to say, when, when this came up as a topic, I did think I'd like to nominate the biggest dickheads with sport are dickheads. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> Me and my dog... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Me and my we're dog jumping in with deep insight here. Yeah. <laughs> Me and my dog Totem, we used to go down to a park in Hull, um, Beresford Park, lovely park. And we used to go down there a lot of, not every Sunday, but a lot of Sundays. And the reason why we'd go down there is two reasons. One was it's a nice walk and there was often like, you know, a cricket match being played or something, which was fine. The other reason was there was a football team that regularly used to play there. I presume it was their home ground. And they'd turn up every week at like, I've got to say it was a few years ago now. But I imagine, you know, sort of 11 o'clock or something like that on a Sunday morning. And they'd turn up with a crate of beers um, and then they'd literally drink them throughout the match. And I'm not talking about the supporters. I'm talking oh about the actual really? players. So you'd have people on the pitch with a can and the referee was just too, or any of the referees, were always just too scared to do anything about it. It was absolutely amazing. So like <laughs> ev- every last person there would get threatened with violence. And uh, they'd, actually, they'd drink and fight their way through the game. And whilst it was kind of entertaining to watch at a distance... Um, they were dickheads. How old yeah. were they? Were they like old? These these were fully they... grown reasoning adults. Right. Okay. I wonder if that's one of the things that started off as a bit of a joke, and it was just like like a parody of ourselves, but then just became normal behaviour. Pretty much like most things in my life. Yeah. When whenever they'd score, they'd race up to the opposition or the referee. They'd rarely celebrate together. They'd celebrate in the faces of the opposition, and that included the referee. Wow. Yeah. That does sound like dickheadery. Yeah, I mean, it really I kind of want to see it, though. Yeah, well, that's the thing, you see. It was like, it was like watching a car crash or something like that. That's um, like, you know. Okay, so we've jumped in with some of the biggest dickheads or dickheads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What yeah. have the D-bad community come up with, Alex? So we've had a comment from Jamie Rhodes. He said, I'm not actually sure who this is about, but it says, I play football with a bloke who seems to think he's Pele or something, always trying overhead or scorpion kicks. See, I, I get the feeling that we know the person who this is. Mm. Yeah, so Jamie organises our Monday night football and I, I'm pretty confident the bloke he's describing, who is Pele-esque, is me. <laughs> right. What I take exception to is the always trying overhead kicks or scorpion kicks, right? It's the trying thing, which implies that it doesn't always come off. I mean, Jamie's been there, so it's true, actually. For somebody who's not very good at football, for some reason, um, for a tall man, I can lift my leg, uh, left leg really high off the ground. So I can, like, volley. If someone's shooting and I'm in goal and it's going to, like, my top left, I could actually just stick my leg in the air and serve it, um, which I do when I'm sure. But it, Listen you up, do, ladies. You wow. do look like, yeah, yeah, you do this look like that when, it does, when it doesn't work. So but I've taken that to another level by combining that with jumping. 
But I'm the bloke who has been dining off this story for the past year or so that Jamie crossed it to me outside of the foot. So I just leapt in the air and managed to just catch it really sweetly with my heel and it just dipped under the crossbar. And it's probably the greatest goal that's ever been scored in football. Ever. I don't like to talk about it. I remember this. I feel like I've heard it a few times. I have yeah, told yeah. everybody about this goal. I've heard this, this story yeah. quite a yeah. few times. Yeah. The, the morning afterwards, John said me he'd happily never play football again because he felt it felt like he'd completed it. Yeah. yeah. I've reached the pinnacle. <laughs> so I'm guessing the dickheadery here then from what Jamie sees is that it was a fluke and now you think whoa, that whoa, you're on whoa, par whoa, with whoa, whoa. Yeah. The, the, the only dickheadery going on, Alex, is you using the word fluke around my goal. How many times has it gone in? Well, I only tried it once. Okay. In that situation. 100% of the times. Okay, on, on fair that, enough, Well, then. on that particular occasion, I only tried it once and it went in. There have been other occasions where I've tried it and it's missed. Okay. But that, to me, look, look, look this is the... Okay, call me a dickhead, right? I'm not I'm not a great sportsman. <laughs> Do it. But I just had... <laughs> yeah, yeah, good resistance there, guys. Um, <laughs> but I have one crowning achievement in the sport of football. Let me have it. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, you see, we've got we we play on a Sunday, um, just a friend game, like you know, a group of friends get together and play every Sunday, and we've got a couple of guys who, who like would literally hate that. They, like even even when it went in, you'd till, still get told off for trying it. They don't even like it when you make long long passes, particularly. They like to keep it really simple because they worry about the time it doesn't. It, you don't pull it off. That sounds really boring. Yeah, exactly. So you've got you've got to fight against them. You need John to play against them. Yeah, well, I think they'd be livid. <laughs> so I want to join Ian's football group because it sounds incredibly well organised. It's, it's, it's. I mean, not as much these days, but it certainly used to be. It's the most organised football game, I'd say, anywhere on the globe. And I'm including like the World Cup <laughs> final and things like that. So it, uh, it's all digitised. So when you ask if, so there's no like who's going to pick first and things like that. Everything's computerised. When you when a text goes out midweek to ask if you're playing that weekend, and you reply yes or no, there's drop down lists. You pick your name, and um, and then it immediately assigns you a team, and it makes sure the teams are completely even, because then after each game, then you tell it how many goals you scored, whether you won or lost or drew, um, and it works out your rating depending on all of this information. And so then for the next week, then the teams again are even. So really, it should be a draw every week. It rarely is because it doesn't account for things like hangovers or people trying scorpion kicks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but all things being equal, then it, uh, it, it gets you even teams every week. And then added to that, then the nights out are incredible. We have, uh, I remember one time, we, we did it at a place in Hull that's sadly shut down now called Cardoma. And our end of season do was there and they have a projection screen coming from the guild hall that projects onto the entire side of the building and we had the girls of the season our girls of the season projected up onto there just as, to reiterate this is a sunday arrived. morning kickabout this is a sunday morning kickabout yeah. we, we film it on three cameras <laughs> uh, every game and the girls and highlights are all taken every game and put into a montage Every single game are filmed on three cameras. There's a camera on each goal, and then there's one covering the whole pitch as well. 
uh, that we have to tie up to a fence high up. We have to climb a fence basically to tag it to, t- to tie it on every week. And uh, am I correct in saying that you even had a podcast to we did, review, yeah. review the matches? Yeah, Sunday so- morning kickabout, not even part of an official league. No, and then on a Sunday yeah. evening we would do a podcast where we would talk about the game and how it went, and you know. Yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd chat, is this the same team the that doesn't allow any other like special kicks or anything? Is that is this the team? The, you yeah, only the, one, the one to... where the guys don't like okay. you. Yeah, I mean we do allow it. Obviously, you're allowed to do whatever you want. It's just a couple of the guys there don't like you doing it because they 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 feel that you're giving the ball away too cheaply. <laughs> if you if you try anything extra special, so it would like... have been a controversial talking point. Yeah, had my goal gone in in that. Yeah, oh, oh, did I, mean, I mention it, my goal again? It had definitely got into the goals of the season. <laughs> Montage. You'd have been playing yeah. there up on the side of the building, and uh, yeah, it was great. Oh, that, the end of season, was... dude. We had casino tables there, free beer, free food. We had on the on on the projector screen inside. We had FIFA going in a FIFA tournament. Mm. Um, it's great. It's it's good. Yeah, everyone pays four pounds a week, and then the end of season, do we've normally got about eight hundred pounds to spend. So it's great. Yeah. Whereas. Um, fl- Let's just compare that to my Monday night football. So Jamie's system for picking the teams is he ranks us all in ability and then he kind of just like, he does like picking. So number one goes on one team, number two goes on the other team. Yeah. Now Jamie keeps all this himself. He, he does the ranking individually. But on one of our Christmas nights out, he did start divulging details of the ranking system after a few beers. And one of the guys was so upset that he was ranked second from bottom that he then started a fight with a load of teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> we were we were winding him up and I thought this was just it was a joke and he was pretending to be angry about it but in retrospect I realised he was very angry about it that's brilliant but, I mean why then I'm not going to say why his name obviously um, but... this is the thing about sport like how seriously like people take it and when it does lead to aggression and things and I think Sally Gilbert she's she's mentioned that as well sort of passive aggression and just general aggression in sport I think it is dickheadery. I do understand that you do get passionate about it and things, but... I think you've got to care, yeah. otherwise it gets a bit boring, but it does get silly. We, we've got a guy who, uh, when things aren't going right for him, he takes his shin pads out and walks around the pitch hitting himself over the head with his shin pads. Oh, gosh. Mm. Something happened to him yeah. in childhood that's never um, been discussed. It's like sore yeah. losers as well. I think that's dickheadery. Yeah. So, so losers, I mean, it depends. I mean, they can spoil it and they can take the um, the, t- the sweet taste of victory away if you're the winner and then they're just kind of spoiling it. Or they can make it even better if they've been dickheads. Yeah, I am probably a sore loser, <laughs> but it is dickheadery. Oh. I can oh. imagine you've been a sore loser, mm. Alex. I can imagine mm. you. I'm mindful. I can imagine you overturning the, ter- the, the table in a Monopoly game. Oh, things. God, I can't. Yeah, Monopoly. Oh. <laughs> Monopoly's not a sport. That's like darts or snooker. It's a game. It feels like a sport. <laughs> well, it's taken us quite a while to mention any other sport other than yeah. football. Other sports are available. Um, but I'm only interested in the sports that I'm interested in because one act of dickheadery, well, depends on how you view the dickheadery here. I find people who tell me in relentless detail about what is going on in their sport of interest that I have no interest in... And I just don't want to know about it. Now, I don't know if I am the dickhead for just not widening my horizons. or them. And the worst offenders, and you're one of these, Ian, are cyclists and runners. Yeah. Like, they are the worst yeah. offenders. 
agree. I mean, if you're not a runner and you start talking about the run and, and, and so on, it's so boring. Now, I say somebody who dips in and out of running, and when I went running with running clubs, and the running club members, really, all they talk about is running. <laughs> John must hate it on uh, on Thursdays when there's me and Gavin in the office both talking about cycling. He's livid. No, do you know what? I don't, because you don't try and involve me in it. Yeah, that's fine. I, I'm happy to be ostracised from there. It's just like boys <laughs> together with the cycling club. I don't feel like, oh, I wish I was a part of that because it just doesn't interest mm-hmm. me. <laughs> because cycling, it also, to, in my view, right, and actually, mm, am I saying, am I going too far with this? Right, okay. But I think it's quite a selfish sport because the amount of time it takes, it's a bit like golf and fishing, which are sports typically undertaken by men who just, leave the family home to go and do their their thing and then come back and expect dinner on the table. Yes, it's brilliant. It's both why it's beautiful, because it just gets you away, you can forget about things. It's just nice. And also, better than running, because running, you don't, you never really go anywhere. Because, I mean, what's the furthest you can run? Like, half a mile? So, um, so <laughs> um, whereas, whereas cycling, then, you, you know, you can get out into the country and things like mm-hmm. that. See, for but, me, sport, the best thing about it is the talking about it, which I think is why um, uh, 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 Ian's boys soccer on a Sunday is, um, is so... It, it, I like it so much. I'm not very good at sport. I'm a little bit awkward on my feet and things like that. I'm just not great at sport. So I enjoy the organisation and the talking about it. When The other sport that I've played on an actual team is pool. It's not a sport. I thought of this when you mentioned it earlier. We had a pool team at a a place in town called Hustlers, and it's a pool hall in town. It's really, really, they have lovely tables. And we started there, and it was quite a few years ago. We were all, like, early 20s. And we were on a Wednesday, and the guy who owned Hustlers said, you can be our Wednesday B team. So we said, like, we're not being called a B team. We're going to be called the Hustlers Boom Banger Bangs. <laughs> so we called ourselves the Hustlers Boom Banger Bangs. And we started in Division 3 on a Wednesday. And this is what we used to do because we love the prep and things and the drama of it all. We used to, in home games, like away, team, away teams used to hate us. So th- this, is a, this is probably Dick Hedery. Away teams used to hate us. We used to get all the away teams there. And we used to get the guy who ran the pool hall to set up the table for us and to do the coin toss. And then he comes through and say, like, lads, you're breaking. So we'd all be hidden in the toilets. And then we'd say to him, okay, put the music, put the music on, Steve. So he'd go through and he'd put money in the jukebox and he'd put on Boom Shake the Room by, um, by Will Smith. And, um, and then <laughs> as it got up to the... Um, uh, you know, are you ready for me yet, Puppy? Well, you know, are you ready for me yet? Well, here I go, here I go, and we'd all walk out on this bit, like filed out. We all had T-shirts made with our names on the back and hustlers, boom banger bangs here. We go, well, here I go, here I go, and then we get down for the break. Here I, here I go, yo, boom, shake, shake, and as it started the first chorus, we'd break off, and then he'd fade the music down, and the game would start, and oh, it was just the opposition wow. absolutely livid with us. So. Do you know what? I've changed my mind. You've you've made that game into a sport. Yeah. On multiple levels. Thanks very much. Everything wonder, needs to be a little bit more American. I wonder how many of your opposition retell that story, but from a different perspective yeah. and with a slightly different message. I'm sure they do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we didn't do it when we went away. 
Were you good at pool? Uh, Did you win I, most of the games? I think of all the sports, pool was the one I was best at. I think I, I am reasonably good at pool. Not great. I, 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 I had county trials, didn't get in, but I was the reserve for county. Uh, I county quite, trials? You know, to get into the county team and then obviously as the England team after that. Was it the extravagant intro that put them off? <laughs> I didn't do an extravagant intro there, although I was a bit disappointed because I did clear up off the break against a guy and it was the first time I'd ever done it and it was in county trials. And that and wasn't was, good enough. Yeah, there was the guy who like gave the <laughs> positions away was watching as well at that point. I was really annoyed, but yeah, anyway. The reason I ask you is I, I think there's some dickheadery around people who are too good at sports. Ah. So like if you're playing and like in a friendly practice and then somebody shows up who was just far too good. They just ruin mm. it. Mm. Now, I think you can get away with that to some extent with something like football. But if you were playing rugby, mm. um, it gets quite dangerous. Yeah. You certainly don't want to do it with things like boxing. <laughs> no. Somebody could die. You see, I'd go the other way as well. I agree with you there that it's annoying when people do that. But it's also annoying when people are the worst player on the planet as well. So I have a relative, and I won't say who, they come up to stay with me, and they said, you know, shall I come and play football with you on the Sunday? And I said, you can if you want. Um, and so he said, yeah, yeah, great. So I was like, brilliant. Okay, well, I'll put you down in the teams then. So I put him down the teams. I rated him reasonably low because I didn't... I'd seen him play once before, and I didn't think it would be great in comparison to some of the other players. I'm so there's a great. human element to the artificial intelligence so, that is Equistat. Well, you've got to have a starting point. So you've got to put them somewhere. And then we always say over about five weeks, then Equistat will sort it out. We'll sort out where they should be, which it does. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he came along. Well, I mean, like you've never seen anything like it. He was like, we'd have been better off. Because I put him on my team, so I thought I can't give anyone else. <laughs> so I put him on my team. Oh. And, <clears throat> I mean, it, like, a broken bit of furniture on the pitch would have been better. Like, like, literally, like, I think the only times he touched the ball was when it hit him by mistake. And, and then what happened was, and, you know, I'm not, there's no dickheadery there whatsoever. No dickheadery at all, because some people are good at things, some people are bad at things. I'm not very good at football. So, um, but I think I know what I'm bad at and what I'm all right at, so I'm able to sort of forge a, a position for myself. But, like... What is the dickhead behaviour is about 50 minutes into the 80-minute match, and bear in mind, none of us want to just be sat in goal for the entire 80 minutes, so we do 10-minute stints in goal. And uh, I turned round, he was just sat at the side having a drink and having an orange. And I said, what, what are you doing? I said, and he goes, oh, I'm knackered. Uh, I've had enough, thanks very much. I was like, what, what do you mean, thanks very much? I was like, why don't you go and go if you're tired? Oh, no, I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, I'm pleased you are, but we're not. We're losing at the moment, and now we're down a player. Granted, you not being on the pitch probably makes us a better team, but you could at least go and stand in goal. You never know, the ball yeah. might hit you. And uh, he's like, no, I'm all right, thanks. Now, I'm, I'm calling that out. Definitely. That is a bugbear of anybody who plays football on those, the people who won't go and goal. Or when they do, they go, take us for goal. It's like you've been in about 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Dickheadery. Wow. So we talked a lot about playing sport. Um, the other element of sport is being a spectator. So Sally Gilbert has brought up touchline parents. Yeah. So this is around kids' sport. And, I mean, we were not the first people to say this, but it's just a hotbed of dickheadery. 
Sally's absolutely right. They could just take the fun out of a children's game. Yeah. No, I've Sally's seen, absolutely right. Yeah. I've seen that with like we we've <laughs> taken um our football team away to Long Hills and they're just like baying for my child's blood. Mm. And like when they just someone comes in and two foots them right in front of him, they're like cheering that a child has been hurt. I mean what is wrong with these people? I mean Is this what happens when they don't drink? Yeah, yeah. It's one thing getting, like we said, getting passionate on the pitch and taking it all a bit seriously. But when you're not even on the pitch and you're just watching some, like, 9, 10, 11-year-olds playing, mm. I mean, come on. I mean, as a former football coach, I know you've, you've got to listen out to what the parents are saying when they're coaching the kid from the side. And they can be really harsh on them. Yeah. It's like, you're not playing, mate. It's just, just like, oh, come on, oh, what are you doing? Oh. And then you feel like you've got to, like, emotionally build the child up again at the end of the game, <laughs> even if they had a bad game. Because we just know that when they get home, they're going to go to tomorrow. That Actually, if it goes too far, you'd report it as a safeguarding concern. But <laughs> fortunately, I've not had to do that. But yeah, yeah, you do. I mean, you want to see your child do well and you're proud of them when you do, they do do well, but don't let, don't let it spoil it for them and don't let it spoil it for you. But I think it's just a bit like, it's linked to these like armchair sports fans who are absolute experts at it and could be the greatest sports person in the world if they mm. chose to do that or could be the greatest manager in the world if they chose to do it. People do get very aggressive at boxing as well, don't they? They love it. Can't imagine why. <laughs> I just get really panicked, yeah. especially when it's the person that you're supporting and they like get knocked down or something. I feel like they're like a family member or something. I get really into it. You see, watching people get beat doesn't really bother mm. me as much. Like, even watching my team get beat, if they're getting beat by someone who's better, like in boxing or in, in, in any sort of sport, if they're not trying their best or they're not doing very well, that gets me annoyed. Because it's not just, like, we'd started talking about parents as well, but it's just, like, normal fans as well, isn't it? I always remember, I, used, I still do, go and watch Hull FC, and I always remember being sat in the, like, family stand, the West Stand one time, and and I was getting really annoyed because they just weren't playing well at all. And there's a, a, a guy called Motu Tony who was like a, he was playing at fullback. And it was it it was it was maybe his last season or his penultimate season or something like that. And he was really having a bad run of a few games. And he was not playing well at fullback at all. Whenever the ball was kicked over, he was letting it <clears> bounce every time. So it was just causing mayhem at the back. And I was getting livid. And I always remember he let the ball bounce. And uh, I was just livid and I stood up and I screamed as loud as I could, Tony, you're supposed to catch the ball. But as soon as I opened my mouth and started talking, it was like the entire stadium went quiet. So every single person in the ground, I think, heard me. I mean, he virtually like stopped and looked over at me. And like, like you could, as I finished, you could hear all the, all the crowd like, go, oh, as in like, that's a bit much, mate. Don't, don't pick on our Tony. Yeah, don't get personal, mate, you know, because I picked him out personally. Now, I, I didn't say anything like you're an idiot or anything like that. I just screamed, you've got to, you're supposed to catch the ball. So I was maybe well, a little bit nice. patronising. But um, I got told off about it, and you could, like, the entire crowd, opposition fans as well, like, you could hear the... In, could you, just, could you hear this, like, the, the, the rustling of somebody's collars as they were all shaking their yeah, heads? Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. It was, quite, it was quite embarrassing for me. I mean, and for Motu Tony, really. Yeah, he should have caught the ball. He should have, yeah. He could have avoided it Did he heed your advice? Uh, I'll be honest, I can't remember. I mean, we, we discussed on a recent um, podcast episode uh, my penchant for giving out advice to professional sports people. So <laughs> I'd like to know that 
that they do at least take it on board. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, yeah. you're nowhere near as bad as some of the people that I've seen, particularly at football games, where they're absolutely baying. For, they, they seem to hate people they've never yeah. met. How can mm. you hate somebody just because they like a different team to you? I probably sound really naive right now. I have taken the liberty of preparing a top five of biggest sporting dickheads. Okay. So at number five, I've gone for reckless players. So this is contact sports who will injure you. When I was younger, I didn't see that as much of a problem. However, a broken wrist and a few other injuries later, I'm starting to think, actually, this is quite serious because if somebody's messing about, they could put you out for months. It's not fun. But on that yeah. as well, I think dickheadery is when people dive. Well, you can tell that they've not been touched even and then just like throw themselves to the floor especially like professional players i'm like get a grip like it really annoys me it's really embarrassing isn't it when it's on tv especially as well. when it shows it in like slow motion and like that yeah. is just absolutely ridiculous i tell you yeah. who's the worst at doing Dickens. that i know people talk about like a lot of the footballers but it's a guy called tom daly right <laughs> nobody was even near him right? <laughs> triple somersault and then a, not even much of a splash at the end of it he's at least get 10 meters yourself, away Tom. from anyone yeah. um, number four delayers right and this is just a dickheadery it's just people who have to stop the game to tie their shoelace or something or oh i'm having an asthma attack i need to use my inhaler or something these like it's just just slurs it down once we've got into a rhythm let's keep it going I did once have to leave a game of squash to go for a poo partway through. Wow. But I figured that was better than the alternative. <laughs> have you seen the clip of Gary Lineker having a poo in the middle of a yeah. football game? Yeah. He did it in the World Cup. He did, yeah. Didn't he just, like, yeah. pull his shorts to the side? and just yeah, like... like, pull his shorts to the side so he could let the poo out. <laughs> I mean, you can't just stop a, get, like, a game as big as that, can you, and say, right, I'm just going to the toilet. Yeah. Just hold That's on. Fair. Yeah, I saw it me doing that on like a Tuesday evening squash game, <laughs> but not in front of 500 yeah. million people in a World he, Cup. He game. was the original Paula Radcliffe, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, sore losers. We've touched on that already. Yeah. But people who just kind of deconstruct a game and come up with reasons why they, they shouldn't have, have lost. But the worst sore losers I've experienced, again, this is a squash example, is when I beat somebody and then afterwards they take me back on court to coach me and show me all the mistakes I make, oh. as though that somehow makes up with the fact that I beat them. Just undermine <clears throat> me. That'd be like after a football game, the three worst players putting a podcast together to say how everyone played. <laughs> <laughs> and comparing yourself to, which type of broken furniture did you play like today? <laughs> <laughs> uh, number two... Cheaters. Yeah. That's... I mean, it's just not worth it. Speaks for itself. Mm. Yeah, you know, like, if it's, it's gone out for a throw and it's gone out for a corner, I just the, the little micro cheats that people do on non-competitive sport. Well, I suppose competitive yeah. sport, but I mean, unofficial sport. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong on that one. And maybe that's my lack of competitive edge. But I mean, in that game of football that we played, Ian, I was still complaining about the fact that he'd gone out for a throw and we'd conceded a goal because we were one defender down because instead of trying to tackle him, I was just waiting for him to do the honourable thing and give me the ball for the throw in. Which had clearly crossed the line. Yeah, might cost us the match, that. Um, and number one, patronising people in sport, which is sore winners, who will yeah. say, oh, yeah, you're doing really well. You should, yeah, you should keep doing this. And you're thinking, I've been trying for years, mate. It's not like this was my first time I've attempted to play this game. <laughs> they might just be trying to be nice, though. Well, yeah, I'm sure they are trying to be nice. But you don't need it. But, but then the end of patronising. After you've just lost, you don't need it. I don't it. want them to. No, yeah. I just want to do. I just want to do the post shower routine and then go and never speak to each other again. 
It's controversial that that's at number one, mm. above cheaters. I think another thing that could have been on there is the way that people are with referees. So obviously, like, yeah. I know that some things happen and it can really annoy people and they're passionate about a sport. But I think the way that referees are spoken to sometimes, it's quite, it must be quite hard for them. That's dickhead. Yeah, in rugby league, you speak to the referee and you're not the captain, then uh, if there's a penalty given, they'll move the penalty 10 yards forward or they can give a penalty because you've been giving them too much lip or whatever. You're not allowed to mm-hmm. speak to the referee. I mean, obviously, you can ask them questions yeah. like, you know, what was that for? Oh, he did that. All right, cheers, fair enough. But you can't sort mm. of, you, you can't be speaking to them at length particularly or complain about anything unless you're the captain. And if the captain yeah. goes on for too long as well, then they get it. If they introduce that into football, it'd be cut out very quick. I suppose they can't see everything. So obviously, I think that's why they've obviously brought the VAR into yeah. it. What do you two think about VAR? Do you think that's spoiled the game? No, I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think I've heard a lot of mixed things about VAR. I think anything that gives the fans an opportunity to get more upset is going to be popular. Yeah. That's what they want. They, mm. they love to complain about things. Well, One active decadery that I do at professional football, um, and I've got this from my dad, and my dad and I do it together, and now my son started doing it, is when a refereeing decision goes against our team and everybody's going, oh, ref, don't know what you're doing. Yeah, you're useless, mate. We'll go, actually, I think he made the right call. It wasn't our ball. It was theirs. And it's like <laughs> nothing winds people up like that. It's like they're looking at us going, yeah, you don't understand yeah. the rules. We're not actually wanting the... the, the correct decision we want the yeah. right decision the right decision is it goes our way have you never yeah. been to sport before <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's why um yeah that's why i'm not so good at the old kind of oh, post-match blokey thing so i guess it all comes around to thinking that when it comes to sport right enjoy it that's what it's there for i do take your point about being competitive so you, you want to do it, you'll enjoy it more if you if you feel like you've given it your all. Um, and don't talk to me about cycling. <laughs> Noted. So that's been episode 22 of D-Bad. Um, if you've enjoyed it, please remember to like, rate and review us on your favourite podcast distributor. But for now, I've been Ian Thompson. I've been John Gilbert. Three, two, and I've been Alex one. King. And don't remember. forget, everyone. Don't, don't be a dickhead.